welcome to yet another episode of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. This is a show where I, Ellie, MD of Transition Partners and the CEO, Sandra, talk to some of the world's highest achieving business and tech leaders. In each episode, we will be sharing tales, tips, techniques and war stories in the hope that you will learn from some of these amazing leaders to help you develop and progress your career. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. So today we have the wonderful Anwar Ahmed. So he's the head of technology and innovation at Willis Towers Watson. We first came across the lovely Anwar as he was listed in the top tech 100 Asian stars list 2020. And we wondered why we weren't already connected. Um, He's got a wealth of fantastic experience and knowledge to share with us today. So we're really looking forward to exploring his journey into tech and discussing some really important topics with Anwar today. So hi, Anwar. Hi, Ellie and Sandra. So thanks thanks for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to have a conversation with you guys. Thanks for coming on. It's our pleasure. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, And once again, absolutely well done and congratulations um, for appearing in the top tech 100 stars list last year. Um, And like I said said to Ellie, there was some great people um, and businesses in in that list. And, um, you know, and I was like, why are we not? Why have we not been connected before? Um, So we've got a pretty big, big network. So I'm really interested. We had a quick chat about um, you coming on this podcast, I think, just over Christmas time. Um, So I'm really interested to hear more about you, your journey, your learnings, challenges, experiences. Um, And I know that you've got some real strong um, passions, particularly in um, D&I. So I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing more um, about that because it's something that we're particularly passionate in as well. Um, So just to start with, if we could have a really quick overview of your background um, and your journey and how you kind of got to to where you are today. Because I had a look on your LinkedIn profile and and you've um you know you've you've been involved in some great interesting things that I'd love to hear more about. Like I've seen that you've had some advisory positions. You you started in in a tech technical role as a developer and um I think you were and earlier you still in... described yourself as an engineer so it's interesting and <laughs> yeah. a tech and innovation he comes on and says I'm an engineer aren't I so. yeah. yeah well I, I try to hold on to that um I guess mantle as long as I can but I think I've been doing engineering for quite a few years but, um, yeah I mean I mean I can start off right from the beginning just to kind of let people know um my background a little bit so so my family moved to the UK god almost over 35 years now nearly Mm -hmm. 35 so I I came first time very little experience in the UK and started secondary school it was a big challenge without the knowing the language Mm -hmm. starting a whole new journey uh, with with the very few people that you know Um, but I would say at school, I wasn't the most academic person. It's probably the best way to put it. I think, <laughs> you know, like a lot of teenagers, I was more interested in, you know, other stuff other than other than studying. I think it's only when I got to college, I started discovering uh, engineering, uh, mm-hmm. microelectronics. And, and at that time, this is, you know, I'm talking about kind of early 90s the momentum for mobile communication was was starting and and Mm -hmm. internet was a twinkle in a lot of people's eyes and and Mm -hmm. what we have today wasn't even imagined so for me I've always been uh, 
interested in how things work. And I think with microelectronics, the possibility of how you can basically solve problem, what problems you can solve and the type of technology you need, uh, nothing was available. So it's kind of almost like everything was greenfield. So what, at, at university, I started, I started engineering and, and I spent uh, my first year working for a software company developing a voice codec, which goes into smartphones. Cool. So, so I think at that point, I I realized that actually software is the space I want to be. Um, yeah. I remember trying to get into university courses doing software engineering, but those courses didn't exist back in the days. It was only computer science or electronics, and that was it. But I wasn't interested in the intricacy of the hardware side. I was more interested in the software side and mm-hmm. what you could do, what you could do with it. So it's just a very sh- short overview of I've kind of come from, you know, starting from, I would say, very little. And I've been able to kind of teach myself all these all these skills with the support of a lot of uh, wonderful teachers and lecturers along the way uh, and a lot of co-workers. Fantastic. So, so you started, um, so you went into a development role and um, looking at your um profile and background you've kind of gone through development to um I think you had some roles within more kind of like as you say um telecoms marketing um, and marketing yeah um you've been um an advisor before I saw a founding member of a company um how did all those kind of and then obviously and now obviously head of innovation and and technology for um what I'm aware is is a a, a, you know relatively big firm um so just really quickly I think it'd be interesting to um cover off what what you think helped you and enabled you to step up the career ladder as quickly as you have and and obviously you've had you've been involved in a number of other things and you mentioned before as well you started getting into mentoring and I know yeah. from from talking to lots of people in tech in, in my network that they're the things that people are all you know wanting to get more and more involved in so any kind of I guess advice and tips for our listeners and viewers around how you have progressed so quickly and what others can do to follow in your footsteps. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll try my best to try and describe some. So what, one challenge I've always had is I've always been very shy in presenting myself. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you had, whenever you're asked to present stuff at university, I was trying to go to the back of the queue. So yeah, engineering was a good same. fit. <laughs> engineering was a good fit for me because, you know, it, you know the stereotype view you have of technical and engineers is, is, is I would say, is quite real for me at least is, you know, very introvert, you want to try and sit in the corner and you want to just get, get on with solving problems, building stuff. And that suited me fine. But when I joined uh, Qualcomm, uh, it was a mm-hmm. company that was expanding and, and they've kind of got a monopoly at the moment. And, and the movement from having standard mobile phones, which was just used for making calls into a mobile phone that allows you to do many other things and the concept of applications or app as we know it today was becoming real and that was a space I was really interested in developing my knowledge about because I always liked things that was new and shiny that was, that's, that was my uh, that was my <laughs> thing but in order for me to make that transition I needed to develop my um, I guess 
presentation skills mm-hmm. and, and kind of client facing skills. So I decided that I'm going to switch from doing pure software engineering into more, uh, you know, helping sell the technology and helping mm-hmm. sell the vision. Yeah. Um, so I think that's basically when I decided that I, I wanted to try and develop those skills, which again, mm-hmm. I think, you know, some people are natural. When I, mm-hmm. Whenever I meet colleagues from California, these guys are just born to talk and sell you stuff. <laughs> For me, it was a big, big challenge. And that's the honest mm-hmm. truth. Big, bold move that. <laughs> And I felt that in order for me to kind of discover and, and look at some of this new stuff, I needed to make that make that sure. happen for myself. Obviously, somebody, uh, you know, other people helped me along the way. Mm-hmm. So I moved from engineering into more, I would say, product marketing, technology marketing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I started enjoying that role because you go in front of clients and you're helping them, you know, you're obviously looking to sell your technology, but you're trying to help paint a vision of what that, technology is going to do for their business either it's going to help them save money it's going to help them generate revenue so it's connecting the engineering capabilities and the sales if you like of of selling of a technology and that's basically where I started switching from engineering into more product marketing and and more client facing Mm -hmm. And I think that started giving me more confidence uh, mm. to trying to get more into building my own business or doing a startup. So around about 2011, I had an opportunity to meet uh, the co-founders of a company called Hymax. These guys were starting to build technology to develop solutions. So you pay as you drive or pay how you drive. And this is something... Um, I felt that I wanted to do because there was technology out there, but I didn't think it was the best technology. So I switched from engineering to, you know, more sales focus working for, uh, I think Nokia at the time, which had about 350,000 people to going and working for uh, a startup that had zero employees, zero revenue, zero everything. And again, it's something I always wanted to do. And I Mm -hmm. decided you know, to make that switch and take the risk uh, of, you know, cool. I guess. That's so cool. So when you say pay per drive, that's when you like rock up to a car and you've got an app and it opens the car and you can go in it and drive about. It's more to do with the way the insurance is sold. So typically insurance is sold based on a risk right. that is created oh, for okay. you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you imagine the pandemic, you've probably driven, I know I haven't driven that much compared to what the risk profile is. So the technology allows you to see how often you're driving, how you're driving, because okay, cool. if you're, if you're uh, speeding cool. a lot, you could be at higher risk. If you're somebody who drives extremely slow, it could be lower risk. So it's yeah. kind of using the data and, and smartphone at that point was, I guess, smart enough. It can detect your movement. It could detect, uh, you know, GPS location can tell you where you are, how far you've gone. So the cool. vision was to try and to, bring that together with the insurance industry that is quite uh, I guess uh, uh, legacy for lack of a better word yeah, yeah. trying to push this to the to the frontier awesome so when you joined the other founders um of that business um you said you were starting from scratch zero people um what I think it'd be really interesting and good to talk about um maybe just quickly on this and then because it'd be I want to get to where you are now as well. Okay. Um, it just maybe give a quick overview of um, I don't know actually. Why do we say what about one like 
one challenge or experience or learning that you could share um, that helped you to grow grow that business in terms of either whether it be developing the people or leading the, the leadership kind of example, just maybe any kind of particular example that you think would be worth sharing? Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably, probably loads, thousands. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every day, every day was a challenge in a startup. I mean, you guys are feeling some of that probably. So I yeah. think one, one big challenge I faced was that we hired some developers um, to you know, develop some of the product that we had clients for, which was very fortunate for us. Mm-hmm. But then uh, some of those, pretty much all of the developers said, look, we want to go off and do something new. So we're handing in a notice and we'll be off in, in two, three weeks time. And all at the same time, pretty much. All at the same time. We had, it was about three or four guys and, and, and they were yeah. planning. We knew they were planning to do something anyway. But you never really realize that this was going to happen until that, that does happen. And we're, you know, me and my colleague, we were sitting in a room thinking, we need 30 developers to develop this platform. We've got three and we want to grow that. But soon we're going to have zero. So what do we do? And it, it basically was, I, again, I started becoming a, you know, somebody who understood recruitment, HR, dealing with agencies. So I think for me, that was a really big challenge. Uh, again, mm-hmm. not having done any of that when I was doing engineering or, or selling the technology. But I think it very quickly taught me that when you start hiring people, you don't hire people purely based on skills. You hire people that fit a particular uh, you know, kind of culture that you're trying to build. Uh, so for me, that was a big, big lesson that I had to learn it's almost like you wake up first thing in the morning you're expecting the sun to rise and and somebody calls you up and say you're gonna have no developers and it's like what do I do now because you know you're not gonna be able to do all of it yourself oh god I'm terrified Cool. And so um, let's let's talk a little bit more about your current um, role. And I guess it'd be good to initially let the let everybody set a bit of context in terms of what um, Willie's Towers do and um, just a quick overview. And then yeah, we can sure. talk more about your role and size of the role, how many people you're responsible for, et cetera. It'd be good. Yeah, it's, it's a big old company. Uh, I think it has about 50 or 1,000 people uh, based around the world. It's roots back in the 18th century, uh, where it started off becoming an insurance consult, providing insurance consultancy uh, to businesses and, and corporations. And that's still its DNA. It's largely acting as a consultant, as a broker, and also an, as an advisor. So the business unit that I work for is, is corporate risk and broking. So they basically are allowing corporations to buy the necessary insurance coverage and helping them define what coverage they need in large, a lot of the time. Within that department, we also have a business called Affinity Business where we build the solution. So for example, if you're a retailer and you want to sell home insurance, in addition to when you sell somebody a sofa, then you would go to a company or team like, like ours and we will come and deliver the entire solution from the technology, from the necessary insurance product, the necessary insurance uh, partners, claims handling, et cetera, et cetera. So we basically offer that solution at this moment in time. And our remit is global at the moment. Uh, we have approximately 70 odd uh, people that works within that um, 
business unit who are largely focused on developing the technology, onboarding clients and managing those clients once we've gone live. So it's kind of like a solutions driven mm-hmm. uh, tech platform that we are building at the moment. It's really cool. And your role's head of technology and innovation. What size um, team are you responsible for? So indirectly, I'm responsible for the entire platform. Um, so I'm responsible mm-hmm. for you know the success and the failure of it to a large extent, and the team that are uh, working to develop and deliver that uh, particular platform. The platform is developed with a decentralized team, and this is something we've uh, you know I've helped kind of implement over the last mm-hmm. couple of years where we, we have developers based in the UK, India, South America, and scattered across Asia as well, with the view that um, we can service clients around the world. The and, and also with the view that if one part, uh, I guess, you know, didn't grow fast enough or you couldn't grow in certain countries, then you could switch to a different country much quicker. And I think it helped us a lot when we had back last year in March when everything shut down, the businesses shut down, everybody was sent home. I was just we thinking were all, that. Yeah, you we were already remote. set up. We were yeah. working remote. We had the technology in place. We had processes, mm. which it took a lot of effort to change because for a corporation to make those changes where you have, this is how it's always been done and it works. Why change it? Mentality. It, it took a lot of convincing. Uh, and I think that helped us overcome these challenges of lockdown uh, much more, much more quickly as well. That's fantastic. Well, hopefully you have some top tips to share for us today then around that, because I know that's a key, key challenge um, for lots of mm-hmm. us. Um, I'd love to know that you, you sounds like you've had quite the journey, like the, your, as your roles have developed, it sounds like you've had to invest a lot on personal development to get you where you are today. Yeah. And it sounds like you certainly pushed your boundaries a lot, um, particularly in the early stages of your career, stepping out from behind the, uh, behind the keyboard, I guess, as an engineer. Um, so I'd love to know more about like your leadership journey and how that's kind of evolved and how you describe yourself as a leader now and you, what, what your teams would say. So I guess the challenges you faced and, and your biggest learnings as a leader. Yeah, so I think, you know, again, this, this is a, um, I think the word leader is something that probably I feel like, well, I don't really see myself as a leader. I see somebody who people can work with. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the style that I have adopted is more of, you know, kind of if people are comfortable working with me or working for me is the term I try not to use because I would like people to work with me mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. I want to work with those with those people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think for me, that's that's my style is that I'm, I'm kind of open to ideas and listening. Uh, and I'm somebody who's happy to respond to questions or concern that people may have, either directly impacting what I'm working on or something else. So I try to be as open as possible from a, yeah. a leadership leadership point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think my style also is that I, I'm quite a visual person. So whenever we start something new, whenever we are developing new features on the platform, I try, I try to visualize what's in my head um, uh, so I tried to put what's in my head into a piece of paper so other people can visualize what is it that we're trying to achieve because ultimately whatever technology is 
we're building, especially in yeah. the insurance industry, it's not that exciting, I'll be honest. It tends to be nuts and bolts. It's very <laughs> functional. But ultimately, yeah. somebody has to use that, whether it's a consumer-facing or a business-facing solution. Somebody has to interact with that technology. So my style always has been is trying to paint a picture that allows everybody in the team to see the nut you're building, how mm. is that going to deliver the spaceship that's going to go to the moon kind of kind of analogy. And I want people to kind of understand that everybody is contributing in mm -hmm. a small way for the for their ultimate um, ultimate objective. But my style is pretty much, you know, I, I try not to be forceful. I try not to force people to do things they don't want to do. And and I and I'm I I'd like to think I'm a good listener. I'm sure a lot of people may disagree, uh, and and I try to help people. Uh, I try to be as approachable as pos possible to people, uh, yeah. not just for work purposes. Because you know, I think you know one thing I've learned is that work is something that you see and there is output, but the person who's working has a life, has a family outside mm. work that sometimes impacts the work they're doing. So the more I can understand about that person's life, the more I can help them be more productive. And, and that's something that I try to, you know, use myself is the productivity or product, production rate or, you know, whatever, whatever the, uh, the formulas are, is if I can make individuals and the team productive, then I'm doing a good job. If, I, if they're not productive, then I'm failing as a leader because it's yeah. down to me if these people are not performing, if they have a personal problem, if the tools I've given them is incorrect, if the vision I've delivered is, is the wrong thing and they're not behind it, then mm -hmm. they're just going to be very, very uh, non-productive. I think that's awesome. So you like to get people bought in from a personal level, which is great. Perfect. Yeah, no, fantastic. And it helps me connect with those individuals because ultimately, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, I'm working with these people. They may yeah. be looking at me as somebody who's giving direction. But I'm interacting mm -hmm. with these people on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, even if you leave companies, I try to, you know, I've, I've developed lots of friendship with these people. <laughs> so it's... it's you spend more time together, don't you? You spend more time together working, don't you, than you do, I guess, with your family. And um, it's um, and the other thing is, is that now more than ever in the last year or so, that approach that you've just talked about has become even more important to really get into people yeah. and understanding your people and their, um, you know, personal, anything that's going on in their personal lives is, you know, for those people that have worked at home for such a long time now, it's almost all merging into one, isn't it? So it's, it's important now more than ever. Yeah. Um, cool. So I think it'd be really good now to talk about, um, your passions and um we spoke um earlier a little bit about um dni and i know that that is a huge passion um of yours and, and as is one of ours as a as a business mm. so it'd be really really good to spend a bit of time talking about why why dni is why why you're so passionate about dni um and um, you know, kind of, I guess, blend that into your journey within DNI as an individual, and and then link it back to the business that you work for. What are you guys doing at the moment to ensure that, um, you know, those numbers are met and those are making that difference and and being as inclusive and diverse as possible? 
Yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's a really, really big subject and something that's very close to my heart. So I think as a corporation, I'll, I'll give you a corporate line. So Willis Towers Watson is basically currently, you know, heavily involved in inclusion diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, this is promoted internally very clearly. And in fact, a lot of people are given uh, kind of, you know, kind of personal goals to try and either learn or, you know, take uh, take more knowledge on board and implement those in the team is part of the mm-hmm. recruitment process as well. Cool. Uh, I would say it's very early days within this corporation. Like yeah. I said, this organization dates back in the 18th century. So it, it still has a lot of, you know, kind of growing up to do. Mm-hmm. I think from me on and a personal level. insurance has one of them industries as well, isn't it? Insurance. Absolutely. Like- yeah. Yeah. Insurance and, and banking, you know, the, the, yeah. the stereotypical view that you see on, you know, a lot of the Hollywood movies unfortunately that's the reality in most companies still but yeah. it's changing I think a lot of the startups and younger and shorter companies coming on the horizon yeah. are, are breaking those stereotypes and for mm-hmm. me personally as again growing up in London in in Tower Hamlets where you're literally on bordering the city or the or the square mile like you know when you cross the road it's almost like you're in another world you know the analogy I would use is probably the Truman show you kind of leave the boundaries mm-hmm. in you're outside the bubble and vice versa and and I went to college in the city as well so I, I I knew what the city was about but I didn't see easy way for me to enter the city yeah uh, because it was been dominated by particular uh, groups of people from certain backgrounds and so you knew that from a young age then so you're saying you identified I that. saw it. I think I saw it because I went to college in, in Moorgate, which is within the square mile, and li- growing up in Tahamlas, which borders the city. You could see the buildings going up every every few years. Mm-hmm. You can see Canary Wharf being built. But I found it difficult to kind of go in there. I don't know whether it's because my... I think you my... do when you come from a different background yourself. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm you know, from a different background as well. And I think from a young age, you do. Like, I remember when I went to school and I think I was, like, one of maybe four in my whole entire school from of a different background. Um, you know, you, you just do, don't you? And it's something that you do kind of focus on over over your career journey it's always at the back of your mind thinking well I want to go for this next job or I want to go for this but am I going to really get considered for this and yeah and I think you know a lot of the time is you know with with the with the cities you can see the networking and who you know Mm -hmm. you know plays a big part and I think if you if you if you know somebody or if you know somebody who who's working in that within that area it helps you understand what that world is like uh, because your only point of reference is walking past these new shiny buildings or know somebody who does delivery or, or is a taxi driver for those buildings. <laughs> and so I think, I think for me, when I was able to work for a corporation that resided in the city or uh, and had some connection into the city, I always tried to understand a bit more about the company, the culture, uh, mm-hmm. and what makes people tick uh, mm-hmm. because I guess I wasn't proactively looking to get into the city mm-hmm. but it just made it easier to work in the city because I lived in London and mm-hmm. commuting for jobs um, you know into I don't know Farnborough or somewhere in the M4 it just took longer so I, I guess I guess selfishly I was looking for more sleep time <laughs> 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 
aren't we all? What do you think we can do? What do you think that we can, as a community, we can all do and like the companies and, you know, all those techies and communities mm. and local businesses, et cetera. What can we, what do you think, like, what, what have you done or what ideas do you have um, that where we can continue to, you know, to break that stigma and make a difference? And, you know, because there's lots of individuals and businesses that pretty much just use it as a, oh, I've, I've got a DNI advocate in the business. So I've got that person that that's their responsibility, tick the job title and that's it. But yeah you know we want to we're passionate about this what can we do to really keep plugging away at it and changing ways and increasing diversity and inclusion yeah i think i mean there's lots of different things uh, i think it, it has to be done on the grassroots level so it's got to be engaging with uh, you know people when they're at school college at universities or doing apprenticeship the kind of things i've been involved in the past is that where we basically run um not necessarily workshop, I think it's, just, it's, it's probably the wrong word, but kind of like seminars and inviting students from schools and colleges to these seminars, not in, in, a, in, a, in a conference hall, but in these buildings where these meetings would get held. So you, you, you book out a meeting room that holds maybe 30 people, which is quite a common place in, in a lot of these meeting rooms in the city. You invite 30 students and you kind of give them a tour of, you know, this is how life is within these buildings. So and cool. I think what and mm-hmm. I think what it does, it opens people up to see, well, actually, you know, I may not want to work in an IT department, but I may want to work in the finance department or the legal department or the project management department or human resource. And suddenly you start thinking, well, actually, within this building, there's about 300 different types of roles that I could go for. And giving the confidence to those individuals, whether you're you know, female, whether you're from a minority background, whether you feel that actually you don't have the right skills to go for these roles, it shouldn't stop you dreaming because once you enter these buildings, you may find other ways to basically get to that role. And it's not always about academic skills. It's it's also about the abilities and your motivation. Because if you don't have the motivation to go and do something different, doesn't matter how much studying and books you read you know if you want to go and build the next tesla it's not going to be based on you reading Elon Musk's biography it's going to be you picking up your you know kind of computer and saying i'm going to go and build something like that so for me it's about showing these individuals at a younger age the yeah, possibilities are endless and i try to encourage my kids especially uh, i've got three girls especially my girls look Aww. you know if you want to do coding do it if you want to build a game if you want to play a game do it because i think it helps them understand that this only works because somebody's done the work uh, yeah. on on programming and building the hardware yeah. and if they find it interesting you know they should they should do it uh, and either do it as a career or or do you know, undergrad degrees or going to college, you know, do do technical subjects. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's, it's kind of breaking that stereotype as much as possible mm-hmm. and showing the, I guess, you know, younger, younger, younger people that the opportunities are there. It's possible. And, it's yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah. It's such a simple idea, but it's one I haven't thought of or heard of before, but I really, really like it. 
because it's just something really easy, isn't it? Like you say, inviting them into the office, talking about what you guys do and opportunity. And you can imagine as a kid, like thinking about the school trips you used to go on and things like that at a young age, something like that would really like leave a lasting impression on you, wouldn't you? So like I remember careers day in primary school when people's parents all came in from all different industries. My dad did a talk as well. And like <laughs> things like that. It's when it, when it, when it, bring, it brings things to life doesn't it so I think uh yeah I think that's really great and like breaking down that those mental walls that people naturally put up whether society's put in front of them or whether it's also just personally you feel like you can't break down them barriers or apply for that job and that opportunity it's brilliant it's a great way to break it down and 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 like you said I think then mentioned about like sponsoring people is really important yeah so I think that's really great and I think you mentioned earlier you, you get quite involved in mentoring is that right yeah, and I think, I mean, I don't do as much as I have done in the past. Again, a lot of it is is time, but, you know, I could also use that as an excuse that I don't have enough time. I, th- I think, you know, for me, I try to do that, not just say I'm mentoring somebody, but when I'm working with other colleagues, um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say to, you know, some of the junior guys, look, you know, if you feel that you want to continue to the path of doing more programming, do it but if you feel actually you want to be more customer facing uh you know i want to give opportunities to these guys so whenever we we have clients who want to see demonstration of our technology it typically Mm. comes into my inbox to try and organize so i try to pick individuals who i know may enjoy it and say hey do you fancy Mm. doing a demonstration of this with this client i had one guy where he did a couple of demonstrations to large uh, car manufacturers and he said, oh, that was really good fun. You know, thanks for the invitation. At first, he was very nervous. He's like, you know, what do I say? Who do I say? Do I, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. So yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you build something, you know how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the challenge I had is the confidence of explaining somebody, you know, how bits and bytes and microns work. It's not that exciting. But if you can paint a picture to then individual saying, hey, with this, you can build yourself you know, an iPhone 11 with, you know, 10 megapixel camera, people understand that, but they don't understand the fact that you have probably, you know, five, 600 different components that puts that together, but mm. they probably don't need to know that either. Mm. You just need to know, hey, have confidence in me to build that and make it work. Yeah. It's quite often that confidence thing, isn't it? And and you've obviously, and also like putting putting yourself out of your comfort zone and I think you've done yeah. that quite a few times I think my, the message I'm getting is that you've you've pushed yourself but in order to push yourself and develop your career you've had to step outside your comfort zone quite a few times but it sounds like you've done that yourself you know you've taken that decision to do that but not many people do that do they like it's quite a difficult thing to do of your own accord Hugely, hugely. And I think, you know, especially with with jobs, I mean, the fundamental of working is to get paid so you can, you know, have a comfortable life, pay pay the bills largely and, and look after your family. So I think, you know, in order for you to switch roles and especially switching from, you know, a corporate role into a startup, it's a massive risk and, and a massive gamble. But I, I remember when I was at college, I read this book, uh, uh, I think I think Path Ahead or something like that. It was one of the earlier Bill Gates biography. And I think one thing I, I remember reading that was, I don't remember the whole book, but there was, it's, it's all about finding something that you think you can do better or solve. 
and then saying actually I'm going to take the you know I'm 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 going to take the risk and say yep I think I can do that yeah and then if it doesn't work okay so well at least I've tried it yeah. and then you know you know, figure it progress um, I think I'm nowadays I'm probably more comfortable putting myself outside my comfort comfort zone mm. than probably for the first time but don't forget also there's excitement as well when you try something new and something different I think the human nature that on its own is exciting and that's probably the reason a lot of people you know probably will jump out of an aeroplane with a parachute because it kind of gives <laughs> them that rush nothing 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 more than that so I think there is an element of that I think I draw the line there won't get me doing that <laughs> yeah not for me I'm either sure, I'm sure I'm sure you'll one day but I think it kind of gives you that excitement uh, in in yeah. trying something completely new and, and I think coming from Bangladesh, moving to the UK at a young age, when it was like, mm. well, I didn't know it snowed here. I didn't know that, you know, in, 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 in my country, very conservative, you know, men and women don't, you know, mix and work in the same environment. And you go into school and, and you see people behaving completely differently. You know, the way you're taught is very, very engaging. Mm. And I think from an earlier age, I, I started thinking, well, I want to try something different after a certain number of years. Mm-hmm. And having the opportunity to, to do engineering, to do more kind of marketing, do a startup, work for large corporations. I think this is becoming my comfort zone now that I have to be uncomfortable every few years to be comfortable <laughs> so good and that's, that's what really creates good. growth yeah, yeah, yeah like that yeah. that uncomfortable feeling is, is where personal growth mm-hmm. comes from so that's that's awesome so what's on the agenda then what exciting things have you got planned for yourself and and while like what's what's the future looking like and anything you can share with us that that's exciting and on the agenda for you yeah so i i have a motto that you know change is 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 constant so you know whether you like it or not change is going to happen and so for me, the technology just horizon for insurance industry is changing very quickly. Yeah. I think I think if you look at how insurance was purchased as a consumer 10, 15 years ago, from the days of filling in a form to you know calling somebody on direct line and, and then doing everything online, it's made a big difference. Yeah. But it's just the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. When you consider the amount of sensors that you have around your house, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know the smartwatches you wear, phones that you carry has got sensors. You know, the car you drive has sensors. The data alone is going to give somebody a very clear idea of you know what Ellie's doing, what Sandra's doing, how often they're going out, are they doing enough exercise? You know, do they have their house heated all the time you know are they well insulated there's a lot of information so if you if you take some of this data and you can apply it to new way of doing risk new way of basically insuring individuals or their assets i think you can make a lot of lot of changes and impact um i love that a lot of people a lot of people's lives God, if you look you at examples, sure it sound cool, then. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> why it's exciting. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of companies doing this, right? And it's not this is me. So, you know, I've got a friend who I've advised <laughs> recently called he- Heroes uh, yeah. and Heroes Lab. They basically 
develop this uh, device that goes into your um, just the cold water pipe inside your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can monitor the flow of water to the point they can tell you, I think this person just flushed the toilet to they're having a shower. But equally, it's about prevention as well, right? So if they suddenly see that there's a lot of water being flown into this property and it's un- abnormal, they might think, well, actually, maybe this has got a burst pipe and that yeah. person's not mm-hmm. home or they've gone away on holiday. And I've had this when I was at university. We had, we had a, a, it was a big, it was a cold winter, the water pass, pipe burst. We woke up in the morning and the entire yeah. living room was flooded, right? Yeah. So technology can help prevent these events from happening, like with, you know, cars, like cars like Tesla, which can basically drive itself and potentially avoid hazards. It yeah. starts to change how insurance is done. So I think for me, that's going to be the exciting space I want to be part yeah. of. Yeah, um, what, really cool. whether that happens within a corporation like Willis or whether I go and do something more niche, the advantage of doing something small with the small groups of people is that, you know, you can get it right. You can get it wrong. If you make a mistake, it's your fault. It's nobody else's fault. But equally, mm-hmm. if you can get it right, you've done something uh, to solve a problem or, you know, invented something new. So for me, that's going to be horizon from a technology and insurance mm-hmm. industry point of view I think on a personal level I would like to try and do more when it comes to getting people from other community involved in mm-hmm. in this industry as a whole because I think you know I work with a lot of a uh, lot of colleagues who who haven't come from the engineering line who haven't mm-hmm. done traditional insurance uh, career path it helps solve problems in a different way and it kind of enhances the team's culture as well. Yeah. I think for me, those things are going to be important for the future, but I'm going to try to hold on to my engineering badge for as long <laughs> as I can until somebody tells me uh, I can't. <laughs> Wear it with pride. Right? Yeah. I love chatting today. Yeah, it's been so fantastic hearing your story and Super interesting guy. And well, if anyone wants to get in touch, is it what's the best form of contact? Are you on LinkedIn or Twitter? Yeah, I mean, I've yeah, LinkedIn, Twitter. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much on all this platform out there. But LinkedIn is the best one because I've published all my personal contact details on that That's as well. Cool. And I try you on to Clubhouse respond. now as well. No, I was just going to mention Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, we'll get you on about that in a sec. Yeah. Yeah. awesome all right it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast thank you so much time for your time oh, thank you so much guys yeah thank you take care thanks bye. a lot take care have a good day bye we would like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in it means a lot to us and we really appreciate your support